Growing a successful design business is hard work. There's so much to do and so little time to get it all done, not to mention the actual design work. The good news is that we are here to help. I'm Krista, the WordPress developer and website strategist from KristaRay.co. And I'm Corey, the designer and creative coach from CoreyWoodard.com. In the Get Back to Design podcast, we're going to share strategies and tools to help streamline and grow your design business, ditch the code and anything else you don't love, and well, get back to design. Grab a cup of coffee, open that Illustrator file you've been working on, and let's dive in. Okay, so today we are so excited to have our second guest on the podcast. You guys may know her. She is Erin Flynn from ErinFlynn.com, and I hope I got that right. Erin <laughs> um, has been making websites incredibly since 1999. I wish I knew what I was doing in 1999. <laughs> Um, But then she started her own web design and development company in 2012. She spent a couple of years creating websites for clients, and then she shifted her business. So now Erin's primary focus is just helping other designers and developers really kind of navigate that weird and choppy waters of just being their own boss by providing some really awesome courses and guides to teach them everything from just how to start their own design business to how to deal with nightmare clients, which we all have had, and that's such an awful thing. (laughs) Um, We have both, Krista and I, learned so much from her when it comes to client management, specifically onboarding, and so we are really excited to talk to her today about client management before and after the project, And then also, because she's been doing this for a while, you guys, we are going to talk to her about growing her own design business. So welcome, Erin. Thanks for being on here today. Yeah, thank you both so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you both. I'm pumped. This is going to be awesome. You guys, I have been following Erin like since I decided I was going to start doing web development. So this is going to be good. She's going to have some good stuff for you today. But Erin, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe how you got started in your business and what you're up to today, because I know you just started something pretty awesome. Yeah, so as Corey mentioned, I started doing web design way back in 1999. And uh, just for the record, I'm not a million years old. <laughs> I was I was 13 at the time. So I was making like Sailor Moon fan sites and things like that. And, you know, just playing around on the internet, Neopets, you know, the fun stuff um, before you had to have strategy or any thought put into a website. It was just, let's make something pretty and do something crazy. And so that was how I started. But I did a couple freelance projects um, just randomly. Like, I think I was 17 when I made something for my neighborhood association. I did stuff while I was in college kind of randomly. But I didn't turn it into a business until 2012 um, when I quit a really horrible job (laughs) where I just, I couldn't take it anymore. So I was like, I'm done with this. So I started my own business. And from there, I learned a lot because I made basically every mistake you could make. (laughs) And so because I made those mistakes, though, I'm now able to help other people not make those mistakes and trying to provide 
trying to provide a resource for them where they can skip those years of just, you know, trying to figure everything out and kind of jump straight to actually making money, which <laughs> took me uh, until my second year was the first year that I actually made an income that could be considered an actual income and not a hobby. <laughs> love it. I love that journey of here. I didn't actually didn't know that you like used it, used your business as an escape of a corporate job. And I think so many of our listeners are going to kind of resonate with that because that's what I did too. It's like, there is no better motivation to get going on something and make something work than a job you are miserable in. <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm telling you, this job was terrible. They paid me an extra $3,000 per year because I also did all of their website stuff. That's what it was worth to them to manage their oh. website and do all of their design. <laughs> I was like, there's got to be something better than $3,000 a year. <laughs> no kidding. Oh my gosh. So as I said in the intro, Krista and I have both taken your, I think, intro packet and welcome packet workshops. So we know that you know all about onboarding. So why would you say is onboarding such an important part of the client process? And I guess what made you start incorporating those different steps into your process when you are working with clients? I think, well, I'm trying to think of how I actually started doing them. Um, <laughs> I think that I... I think that it's important because when you do onboarding, it sets up the whole entire project either for success or failure. So if you have a bad onboarding process where you don't screen clients properly, where you confuse the heck out of them, and where they get frustrated before the project even starts, it's not going to be a good project. And I've definitely had my own share of nightmare clients who really are just clients who I didn't onboard properly and who I didn't manage properly and I let them, you know, basically walk all over me and make my life miserable and then I say they're the worst person ever. They're not. I just let them do it. Um, yeah. But I think that I, I started recognizing, okay, how can I prevent this problem from happening? And so I started doing things like the intro packet. I started doing things um, like the welcome packet, which is a little bit different, where it gives them that information kind of during the project. And so that reduced a lot of the questions and it gave me something to reference when they said, well, you never told me that there were only three revisions in this. And I was like, intro packet, welcome packet, contract. Like there, it's in all three places. So you can't say that you missed it. I'm happy to do more revisions, but it will cost you. So I think that that helped me establish those boundaries. It helped me um, set things up in a Especially uh, one of the biggest ones was I used to work 24-7, like I think most of us do when we're starting out. And so just having my office hours, like deciding on office hours and making that one of the first things I tell people means that now I can, you know, enjoy my evenings, I can enjoy my weekends, and clients aren't freaking out on me. So it was just recognizing those problems and coming up with a solution and just kind of like getting that all in the proper order so that it made sense. Yeah, I cannot agree with you anymore. I think having those two pieces, the intro packet and the welcome packet, and even just taking the extra time to really make sure you have a good onboarding process in place is such a good way to make sure you have those expectations and boundaries with your clients. Because I know, especially when I was just getting started too, I would have clients who would email me at 10 o'clock at night. 
I'm not looking at your stuff at 10 o'clock at night. And then they would have emailed me again the next morning, like, why did you not email me back last night? And it's like, because it was 10 p.m. and I was probably binge watching Breaking Bad. Like, let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking of the disasters I got myself into before I learned about intro packets and stuff from you. Like, all the times clients would come to me and ask for something and I'd be like, that's not included. That's not what we agreed on. But like, I had not told them that anywhere. They're not mind readers. Like, it's not their fault. So this protect, I think this stuff protects them just as much as it protects us. So, so important. And I I love that we found your stuff and that you made all this stuff. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But I would love, if you don't mind, for you to kind of dive into those two or if you have any more bigger pieces of what goes into client management or onboarding or whatever you want to call it before a project actually begins? I think the biggest thing is honestly screening the client. I don't mean having to have like the most perfect ideal client. I actually don't really believe in completely ideal clients. I I have never had one. I've done that exercise (laughs) 50,000 times and I've never gotten somebody who ticks every single box on it. But I think that there are some key pieces that you have to look at when you're, you know, trying to appeal to the right people and choosing who to work with. And if they fall too far outside of what you consider your ideal, then I think that that just, again, kind of sets the project up for some frustration because either you're not excited about the project and that kind of rubs off and trickles down and that's not a good good place to be. Um, Or you've got maybe totally different communication styles. They want to hop on the phone every day or multiple times a day and you don't. And that can be a big headache for both of you because they expect, you know, if you haven't told them, they expect this type of communication and you don't and you want to do something different. So I think it's really kind of figuring out what type of person you work best with. And then even if they're not maybe the perfect industry, maybe they don't fit your exact ideal client profile, but you mesh really well, you communicate really well, and there's somebody you think you can work well with and enjoy talking to, then I think that's the biggest thing. And that's something that is really hard to do when you're new, admittedly, because you need the money. You need to have clients coming in. So there are going to be compromises. Um, but I think finding like those, like I said, the biggest key things, which tend to be more about personality than whether you both binge watch the same shows or both like the same colors like those are superficial but just finding someone that you can communicate well with and not working with people who you get these big red flags about even even when you need the money it's sometimes better to turn those down because those end up being the worst projects that completely drain you that make you want to quit and it just ends up being worse (laughs) than if you didn't take it on at all um So I think that's the biggest one, but I think that the other thing that people forget that's another huge issue is that clients don't know what we know and they don't understand our processes. They don't understand how things work or what's involved or what's the difference between email hosting and website hosting and what's a domain name. And so we have to stop treating our clients like they're stupid for not knowing those things. They're not, they just have a different area of expertise. And it's our job to educate them enough so that they get a good website or a good design and we don't have to over-educate them, but we have to, you know, tell them enough so that they understand what's happening and explain our processes so they don't feel lost. And I think that's something that a lot of designers and developer, developers especially, <laughs> don't do <laughs> because 
we just assume, oh, well, you come, you're coming to me for this. Obviously, you know everything that's included in all these pieces, and what do you mean you haven't gotten your content yet and you don't have a domain registered? So we have to explain all of those missing pieces to them. Do you have like a recommended process or something you send with all of those pieces? I have a checklist, and I load most of it into Freedcamp, which is the project management system I use. But I mean, you can use any project management system. But before the project starts, I typically two months before, because I book out pretty far, I'll have like, you need your content. If you need help with content, here are these resources and here's this and here's that. And it's all something that they can check off. And then if they have questions, you know, leading up to the project, they can ask them within the project management system. And that works really well for me. I know some people do um, like some different stuff with more planning beforehand, like more calls or like they um, just have different processes. And it really kind of depends on your clients. Mine do tend to be fairly savvy for entrepreneur stuff because they typically tend to be well established. So they're like, oh, of course I need to work with a copywriter. Like that's already in my budget and I already get that. But when you're newer and they're newer, it's probably a lot more handholding because <laughs> they don't know what's involved. Oh my gosh, definitely. And I am thinking about, I think the most valuable thing I started doing based on what I learned from you, and that was sending an intro packet with at least like a warning to them that they need all this stuff. So I can't, I can't remember everything that's in the intro packet, but it's basically like, here's how I work. This is what I'm going to need for you. Here's what the timeline will look like, different stuff like that. And something else I noticed, not only was I getting better clients who are like willing to work with those guidelines and respect them and just knew they existed overall, but I noticed myself booking more projects because we look more official and like we know what we're doing when we have all that stuff in place. So that's kind of another bonus of having your act together before a project starts. Yeah, and it's it's so nice. A lot of people who don't think about or don't know about all of those pieces, if you send them the intro packet before you even chat with them, they can go make contact with that copywriter and then they can come back to you when they're actually ready, which yes. is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm. we're definitely going to include links to your intro and welcome packet workshops in the show notes because those things are definitely needed. I think a lot of our people are going to love those. So we'll definitely include links to that. Awesome. Yeah, I, oh my goodness, I definitely agree, especially about the part where they know they need the copywriter, so they go talk to them before they come back to us, because I think I've had, I can't remember when, but I vaguely remember having a client who I was done developing their site, and they go, oh, well, I still need the photos, but my brand photography shoot is in like three weeks, and you're like, what? No, I'm done, like, we're done now. <laughs> But anyway, okay, so we have talked extensively about before the project. So what about after the project is over? What kind of like client management processes or just processes in general do you think people should have in place at the end to help kind of wrap the project up smoothly? Well, I also have a goodbye packet. <laughs> and... Um, which is basically just um, kind of compiling everything about their new website into one document, or I mean, you can do it 
in multiple different ways. Some people I know do like a client portal on their website with different videos. Um, but what I do is I do a PDF that's like, you need to log in, like go here, reset your password. And here's, here are the instructions. Uh, here are some basic videos on how to manage your WordPress website. Here are some custom videos for your specific website for whatever crazy features they have that are you know not standard. Um, and then I'll include things like, here are your colors. If we did any like colors that fall outside of their branding that they did with a brand designer, I'll put those in there if I added, you know, another shade of blue for a button hover or something just so they know what it is. Um, and if you're a brand designer, like you could do something similar, like here's how you should use your logo and here's how you should use your alternate mark um, so that you kind of explain those things in a simple way that they can reference again and again. And then the other thing I do in my goodbye packet is I have a list of resources. And some of those are my resources where you can come watch these videos, you can take this free course, and you can you know hire me if you want me to do maintenance for your website or put me on retainer. So that brings people back. They know that I'm not just disappearing, like they have an option to work with me again. And I'll also put in resources for, hey, if you need to, you know, do Facebook ads now, I don't do those. So go work with this other person because that's probably your next step. Um, but that really helps them kind of get that boost. Like, okay, I have a website. What do I do next? Um, so that it's not super overwhelming and they don't feel like you just disappeared on them once they paid their final invoice. And then the other thing that I do is I follow up with clients pretty regularly. Um, I typically follow up within 30 days of launching their website and ask if they have any questions or if I can help them with anything or maybe I need to record another video if something's not clear. But then every three months or so, I follow up with each client. And I do this as a personal email. You could also automate it if you wanted to. Um, but I do it as a personal email, say, hey, I saw that, you know, you got a new puppy, it's super cute. And just, you know, like touching base with them, um, which I think makes them feel like, oh, hey, like she's still there. By the way, Erin, can you also do this other thing for me now that we're chatting, which is convenient. Um, and then I also do automate some emails so that, but basically the videos that I put in the goodbye packet that are standard are automated via email as well to kind of break it up so that they basically like every week they'll get like a new video of here's how you create a blog post. And so all of those are basically standard stuff so that I can just basically put them in an automation in my mailing list provider and it just does it for me. <laughs> um, and so that's a lot of follow-up, but it actually, once you get it set up the first time, it takes, you know, 30 minutes to edit the goodbye packet and then, you know, five minutes every three months to shoot a personal email. It's not really that big of a deal, even though it sounds like a lot. Totally. And I think, I don't know if we've talked about this in an episode already, Krista, but I think following up is such a good idea because otherwise your client, if they didn't have like a stellar experience with you, they're going to forget about you and go hire someone else to do whatever other design work they need. So I think by emailing them and also including that personal touch, don't just say, Hey, I'm following up with you. You know, what's going on? Do you need me to do anything? Actually including that you are kind of paying attention and, that you really do care about them as a person too can make them even more likely to say, yeah, I definitely want to keep working with this person in one way or another. Exactly. Such a good point. I love the point you made about um, you automate those tutorial videos. 
I, I send like a link to a library I have of tutorial videos, but I've never thought to like give them some kind of reminder other than my final email to them that these things exist. So that is so smart. And I bet you have to do less kind of training and sending them that dang link again because of that. So that is super smart. I love that you do that. Well, exactly. It takes that step out because I think that when you send them all at once in the goodbye packet, they're like, I have a new website and this thing to read. And I mean, it's a great thing for them to reference, but it's overwhelming because they're like, I can't watch a video. I have a brand new website. Mm -hmm. So when you automate it, it kind of reduces that overwhelm for them. And it reminds them, oh, yeah, I have like this whole resource. Like, Chris is awesome. Right. Yeah. See, and if you don't do that, you do just end up with clients who don't know what they're doing or don't know how to use their site. So along, I guess, with that, with not giving them the information they need or helping them to digest it, are there any other like common mistakes you see either before or after a project with client management, onboarding, offboarding, anything like that? Well, we already talked about kind of, you know, make sure you screen your clients and stuff. So not to dwell on that, but make sure you screen your clients and find people who you're going to connect well with and work well with. Um, But the other major mistake that I think I see is just kind of like I said, designers who launch a website and then they don't even bother to tell their clients like, hey, I also have these other services or you can continue working with me. And even sometimes when the client loves working with you, if they don't know that you offer something else, they're going to go look for somebody else. They're not going to say, oh, like Krista also does, you know, website maintenance. I don't know if you do, (laughs) but you know, they're not going to say, oh, Krista also does website maintenance. I'm going to go back to her. They're going to go, oh, I need to go find somebody who does website maintenance. And so Mm -hmm. just, I mean, it, it can really help you build stronger relationships and do more for your clients, which helps them be more successful, as well as put more money in your bank account, which is always nice because you don't have to go hunting for new clients all the time. You can work with your past clients who already know, like, trust you and want to keep working with you. You just have to give them that heads up that you, you're still available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm even thinking back to the designer I used for my website. I don't, I don't think she, see, here I am. I don't think she offered any kind of maintenance services, but I had no idea. Luckily, I ended up doing development and figured it out myself, but I wouldn't have known. So that is definitely a good point. I think that really ties in well with, um, obviously, our audience of designers here, because I think a lot of designers let their people on their website know, hey, I do branding, I do website design, blog design, whatever, but they forget to also tell their potential clients or current clients, hey, I can also do your business cards, your post graphics, like all these other little things that kind of come up after the site has been launched or the brand has been launched that most designers would be more than happy to work on, but they don't have them listed and they don't tell their clients, you know? So yeah, you really have to make sure that you're educating your clients and letting them know, I can continue working with you because I know I had one client... I think last year or two years ago, who went with someone else to create their post graphics, and I still cringe when I see them because I don't like them, and I'm sad that she didn't make me make them. <laughs> well, and that's that's one of the things is when 
you know, like they, they go to somebody else who maybe doesn't even know, like all of the thought process and stuff behind, they're just putting something together. Then I think that really hurts the client too, because they're not getting all of that strategy and all of, like I said, that thought process when they're getting whatever they're getting next, they're just getting, oh, okay, I'm making, you know, post graphics or I'm making a business card, but there's not everything else that goes behind it because that designer didn't do the original branding or make the original website. Exactly. So, okay, what advice, maybe beyond what we've kind of already talked about or diving deeper into stuff we've already talked about, do you have for our listeners, if they are currently struggling with any sort of client management before or after the project, kind of, like I said, along what we've already been talking about? I think the most important thing is to sit down and to write out your processes and how they should go. So you need to sit down and take the time and say, okay, they land on my website. What's the next step? Okay, after they fill out the inquiry form, what do I want to have happen next? And just go through that entire process for onboarding, for offboarding, and during the project itself. So you've really got like three big chunks that you need to map out. And you might say, it's a waste of time. Like it, it does, I, I know what happens. I need to do this. But when you have that organized, it makes things much faster in terms of the process. You're able to answer your client's questions better um, and you never feel like you're lost or reinventing the wheel you always have something clearly laid out a clear path to follow and I think that's one of the most important things especially if you have a creative mind and you tend to get sidetracked like a lot of us do and you say oh but maybe I should mix everything up in the middle of this pro don't don't mix it up in the middle of the project <laughs> stick to your process try a new process on the next project. <laughs> but I think just having that outlined, even if it's literally just bullet points, is a huge, huge help in just making everything run much more smoothly. I so agree. And it's, I mean, there are so many steps to this. Even if we feel like it should be second nature, it's so easy to forget something. And like with the development work I do, I literally have to go into my projects and be like, hey, dummy, remember to put a link cover effect on here. Like I have bullet points for those little tiny things. Yes, I have to do it on every single website, but I still manage to forget sometimes. So even if you think like, I'm not going to list this stuff out, just do it and put it somewhere for yourself like Asana or something. You can just go through and have it every single time. So, okay, you have gone through so much awesome stuff, and we cannot have you on here without talking about how amazingly you have positioned yourself as an expert in this market for designers and developers. Like, Corey and I both work with designers, and we learn from you. So, like, do you have anything specific you can pinpoint that's helped you establish yourself in this way as this thought leader for other people that do what you do? First of all, I'm super flattered. Thank you. Um, it was a long process and I would love to say here's a magic trick to become like known in the field and like, I don't know, you know, just like this, this person who people know about. Um, but I think honestly, what what helped me might be different than what helps other people, but it was making those mistakes, kind of documenting them, and then sharing how I fixed it. And so people could see, okay, she started out where I am and then she solved this problem. And I think that's what helped me the most in terms of 
basically like being a person that people could look at and go, okay, she knows what she's talking about and she's got some good ideas. And I just approach everything in my business as an experiment, um, which is something I didn't adapt until like my third or fourth year in business. Cause I, I always thought like, oh, this didn't work out. Like I'm such a failure. And, you know, I was feeling down on myself all the time. But then I realized that no matter how bad you screw something up, there are lessons to be learned. And if you're not looking at those lessons and learning from them, you're going to stay in the same place. So I just was pretty open about like, oh, nightmare clients, I've screwed some stuff up. Here's, here's how I solve this problem. And so just sharing that, I think, um, really was what kind of put me where I am now and not being afraid to make those mistakes and share what I learned. Yeah, I think it probably just makes you that much more relatable too, where people are like, oh, she isn't perfect. She does this stuff. And that's how they, that's how people learn the best too, seeing how someone else made a mistake, probably that they did, and then seeing the exact steps they took. So yeah, makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like I always relate more to people who are open and honest about the struggles and the wins too that they've experienced in their business, rather than just people who paint on this pretty picture and, you know, make things look perfect. And I have clients every single month and I'm making six figures and everything is perfect. And look at my beautiful house. Like there's only so much of that you can take. And then you're like, okay, but what's really going on behind the computer screen? Like really? (laughs) (laughs) So you have been able to grow your business in amazing ways that I am always looking at and trying to figure out how I can do it for my business. So I'm curious what you feel like is one of the best things that you have ever done for your design business and just your business in general, because I know you do more than just design, um, that you would recommend to other designers to maybe try out themselves. Honestly, I think meeting people and networking, going to conferences, not being afraid to reach out and like have a Skype date with somebody. Um, I try to make it a point to connect with three new people minimum per month. And so like hopping on Skype or just email conversations. And, you know, I email people who are way, way bigger names than I am. And, you know, like probably 90% of the time I get ignored because they probably get like 50 of those emails a day or not, if not more. And, you know, the other 10% of the time I get to meet some really cool people who are ahead of me in business who then I make a connection with and honestly at this point in terms of like web design and development I don't advertise I have a big enough network that people are sent to me like via referral Um, and it's because I went to conferences and I met people and I wasn't afraid to say hey do you want to chat and if they say no or they ignore me well I'm in the same place that I am like I'm not losing anything I'm just maybe not gaining but that's fine too and you know you just have to put yourself out there and even if you're an introvert which I am an introvert people don't always believe that but I am an introvert and if I'm going to a conference like I have to psych myself up for it I have to be like I'm gonna stay out until at least 10 with all the cool (laughs) conference people (laughs) and you know like I have to like kind of force myself. always always worth it you make amazing connections um so I really think it's just breaking out of your shell, not being afraid that people are going to say no or just ignore you. Just, you know, reach out because, you know, most people are awesome and most people are happy to connect. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Krista, I can't remember what episode we talked about this in, but we were like, do the coffee chats, because even if you're stubborn like me, they really work. And I think Erin is telling us that, hey, this is proof. It works really well for her. So again, go and do the Skype coffee chats. <laughs> yeah, as much as you want to hide behind your computer screen, just peek out a couple times a month. It, it's worth it. And it gets less scary, too, is another good thing to know if you haven't done it yet. It does get easier. Oh, it gets to be a lot of fun, actually. I never thought I would say that, but it actually does get to be fun. I agree. Well, Erin, thank you so much for everything you shared today. I know we have went over like lots of little pieces of things, especially that people are going to want to learn more about. So where can people find you to learn more about what you do and learn about some of your amazing resources that you have? Honestly, the best place is just to go to my main website, erinflynn.com, and everything's linked to from there. Um, so if you want to join you know, the free membership or the paid membership or buy a workshop or whatever, those are all there. My blog is like ridiculous length blog posts is there because I write way too much Um, and then all of my links to social media um, are there too and I'm on Twitter a lot so if anybody wants to say hi like just tweet at me and I'm happy to say hi back and we can connect yeah and like Krista said we are definitely going to include links to the workshops everything that you have because even the goodbye one I haven't actually made my goodbye packet yet but I watched that one too and they're all it's a gold mine like everyone needs to watch these (laughs) thank you (laughs) totally agree thank you so much for hopping on with us today Erin yeah thank you both for having me this was so much fun thank you so much for listening For show notes, past episodes, and more information about the two of us, visit us online at getbacktodesign.co. If you enjoyed today's show, it would mean the world to Krista and I if you take two minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Now put what you learned into action so you can streamline and grow your business, ditch the code, and get back to design.